0: Mm-hmm. Welcome to Ask Dr. Wang. In this program, I will cross the world in search for the best Chinese doctors to help you tackle the pains pills can cure and solve the maladies the knife won't cut away. Let's help each other to heal ourselves. I started accumulating ailments around 17 years old. I started losing sleep, and a bit more than a year later, I gave up on sleep entirely for at least a few days a week. A while later, mysterious rashes started to appear in my neck, as if the devil came into my bedroom and gave me a hickey. One spring, I sneezed once every 20 minutes, which amounted to 54 times in a day worth of waking hours. At some point, I even grew allergic to my own cats. Friends around me started to be plagued by mysterious illnesses too. A few also lost their sleep, one lost her thirst, another couldn't digest dough anymore. And going to the doctor didn't seem to help because even though we were ill, the doctor couldn't find a disease. I started thinking about the time I still lived in China, the place where acupuncture needles were stocked next to paracetamol and where I was fed bitter-tasting black soups to cure stomach pain or headaches. And this is my mother. She told me that I shouldn't eat things straight out of the fridge, shouldn't walk on bare feet during my period, except when the floor is carpeted. And when I tell her I'm sad, she's more likely to tell me to eat more green things to calm my liver than to give me
1: a hug. <coughs>
0: This is my dad. He often leaves me long voice messages like this on WeChat, a Chinese instant messaging app, explaining me the history of Chinese medicine or reminding me to meditate. My parents are obsessed with Chinese medicine. Even though they were trained as Western doctors, as they've grown older, they have lost faith in that worldview. And I guess I have now too. The reason why my illnesses couldn't be cured is because there is a difference between illness and disease. Disease is a disorder that takes place in an organ, while an illness is a condition that happens to a person. And what Chinese medicine reminds me of is that we should treat our ailments on the human scale instead of the cellular, and try to locate the illness in not just our organs, but in the relationships within and between us, between our bodies and the world. My devil's hickeys healed in the end, and my insomnia too. Not because of the cortisol cream I was given, or the sleeping pills I was taking, but because I understood that I was the one who had to cure myself. Speaking of the world, Chinese doctors seem to have become as prevalent as Chinese restaurants, no matter which far-out corner of the world I find myself in. Beyond China's borders, about 70 countries have made laws directly related to it and nearly 120 countries have institutions related to Chinese medicine. It seems as if Chinese medicine has pushed away other forms of local medicine and has colonized the world of alternative therapies. It has also become one of China's biggest export products. The Chinese medicine we know now is in the same tradition as the one that was invented 3,000 years ago. In fact, the form that is being taught and practiced today is actually a political construct invented by the communists in the 1950s as part of their wider nation-building project. Specialist hospitals, schools and clinics were built in celebration of this distinctly nationalistic and Chinese science. But its growth really took off during the famine that followed the Great Leap Forward in the late 50s, one which killed somewhere between 18 and 45 million people. Chinese medicine required less of the already scarce resources to cure symptoms. Chinese herbs and acupuncture needles were readily available, and Chinese medicine practitioners outnumbered Western doctors by over 50 times. But enough of history for now. In this program, I'll take you to the best Chinese doctors around the world to examine our most common ailments and their locally Chinese solutions. In each episode, I will seek out answers to questions about matters of life and death with the help of these acupuncturists, shamans and herbalists from around the world. This time, I am in Beirut, Lebanon, to talk to Dr. Edmund Ibrahim. We spoke about the introduction of Chinese medicine in Lebanon, We'll answer two listeners' questions, one about a problem that affects one in four women, another asking the question on all our minds. And we'll also talk about the ailment that affects almost every Lebanese. But first, let me introduce you to Dr. Ibrahim. It wasn't hard for me to find a Chinese doctor in Beirut. In fact, many people I spoke to either knew a Chinese doctor or asked me to recommend one. This is Dr. Ibrahim. He speaks fluent Chinese, I suspect even better than I do. do you speak Chinese? <laughs> no, I speak Chinese? No,
1: I can speak Chinese. Oh, very <laughs> <good>. <laughs>
0: I went to visit him in his clinic, in the neighbourhood on the edge of Beirut. Standing from the outside, it was like many of the similar apartment buildings we passed by on our way. Some brand new, some in disrepair, some that still haven't recovered from the war, many with clothes hanging on washing lines outside. Stepping into the clinic was another world. Filled with Chinese textbooks, the type of medical drawings that make the human body look like a subway map and the light meditative music in the background, the type I condemn my mother for, for playing way too loud in our living room. From all the Chinese doctors here, Dr. Ibrahim is actually one of the few to have done the full training at the Beijing University of Chinese Medicine, while also being one of the first to start a Chinese medicine practice here in Lebanon in 2001. Besides that, he has also set up the first program in Chinese medicine in the Middle East, which was the acupuncture diploma program at the St. Joseph's University. He moved to China in 1992 after having studied Western medicine for two years here in Lebanon. In
1: my whole life, I, I like natural things, mm-hmm. like uh, plants, animals and so on. I don't like killing animals, I don't, li- I don't like uh, fertilizations, you know, I, don't, I want everything pure and natural.
0: He told me that he had noticed that the medicine he was studying and the chemical experiments they were doing put him off. So he began researching for more natural ways of healing.
1: So I still remember in the year 1992, in April, I decided to search. You know, at that time, you don't go to internet. There's no such kind of research going on internet and so on. Mm -hmm. So I did some research about natural medicine.
0: Mm. He discovered things about Korean medicine, Japanese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, but out of all of those, it turned out the root was Chinese medicine.
1: I began. I began to look on some books. I went to the Chinese embassy here in Lebanon. I talked to them. Mm. They, you know, uh, so they helped me much on on these things. Yeah, they give me more uh, more uh, things about the Chinese medicine and the Chinese universities and the, you know Chinese customs and culture and so on. Mm. So. I said for myself, "Let's
0: go to it." I had the feeling that it wasn't easy to live in China as a foreigner back then. It was just two years after the violent Tiananmen Square protest, and the repercussions were still felt, as protesters were still being put to trial or thrown into prison. At the same time, it was also an exciting time, as China was getting ready to open up itself to the world.
1: And especially it was in the year 92. 92, you know, China was not that nice. But uh, in the 94, I remember China began to mm. become better and better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember we didn't find even the you know, tissue to
0: paint <laughs> our nose at that time. Yes. <laughs>
1: but it's okay. I love it because, why it's, because why it was a very simple life. Yeah. And I prefer living a simple life than living a Western life.
0: There was a reason he chose Chinese medicine over Arab medicine. I suspected that it's because, unlike with Chinese medicine, Arab medicine hadn't become institutionalized in the Arab countries as an acknowledged science or industry. In my search for the last few remaining Arab doctors in the country, I was mostly referred to far-out villages in the South. The
1: Chinese, the alternative, what I say Chinese medicine, it's a system. There is basic theories, there is diagnosis and so on. But in the Arab one, the Arab one, there is no diagnosis, there is no basic theories. It's only like, okay, you use this plant, it will treat this kind of problems. This is the difference. But I don't want this. I want a system.
0: According to Dr. Ibrahim, you can only get so far with Arab medicine.
1: But as I told you, the traditional Arab medicine, the traditional one, it's, it's about, okay, you have a headache, try this plant. If you have constipation, try this plant. But mm-hmm. in the Chinese way now, if you have constipation, you have to, to do many, mm-hmm. many diagnoses to see where the constipation comes from. It's an example.
0: Even though Chinese medicine is widespread now in Lebanon, it wasn't easy for Dr. Ibrahim to set up his practice. People weren't yet familiar with its logic, and he had to try very hard to earn their trust exactly because Dr. Ibrahim is one of them.
1: You don't have to go to China to treat yourself. You can find here, but they have to trust the, the doctor here also. To trust the doctor, they have to ask about you. So in the beginning in the 2001, 2002, they don't believe too much. You know, I'm a foreigner, I'm Lebanese. I'm not Chinese. If I'm Chinese, maybe they will trust, they trust me immediately. But I'm Lebanese. The face of Lebanese, they don't trust me. They trust my wife. Oh, so she's a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I said, OK.
0: She's a doctor too. She's not.
1: Oh. <laughs> but she has a Chinese face. They don't trust her.
0: According to Dr. Ibrahim, the biggest health hazard for his patients here is stress. It is often said that stress is a body's method of reacting to a challenge. What's most important to remember here is that different challenges produce different types of stress. And in this program, we'll talk about why the type that is experienced in Lebanon is a distinct kind of stress that isn't felt anywhere else. We'll talk about it more as we go through our listeners' questions for this week. doctor Wang Why is it that one in four women have a sluggish thyroid? Does it have anything to do with the heavy, lavish ornamental necklaces that seem to be in fashion today, overtiring the necks as it were? Thanks in advance. Tyre thyroid Well hi, <laughs> tyre thyroid Um should I call you Ty? Or do you prefer Tyra? Anyway, Tyra, I hope you're listening. I asked your question to Dr. Ibrahim. But first, I'll have to explain to you that in Chinese medicine, there's no such thing as a thyroid gland. Actually, Chinese medicine never looks at a singular organ anyway. Instead, it views the body as an interconnected whole, and you can imagine it as a complicated set of weights and scales. An illness wouldn't be able to affect just one part of the body, nor can it be cured by treating just the place of manifestation. The thyroid, in this case, is part of a larger system that connects it to the kidney, the liver, and the digestive system. With a sluggish thyroid, the thyroid secretes too little hormone, which leads to weight gain, fatigue, feelings of heaviness and lazy bowel movements. So in a way, it's not just your thyroid that is sluggish, but everything you do becomes slower, heavier, whether it's your movement, your reaction speed, or your digestion. Let's hear what Dr. Ibrahim has to say about this.
1: So thyroid gland is related first of all with the kidney. It's related with the digestive system and it's related especially with the liver. So if you want to treat thyroid glands, in Chinese medicine, you have to do a diagnosis to see, diagnosis the symptom. You have to ask about the symptom and according to these symptoms, you treat the person. So, there is no thyroid gland as a gland in Chinese medicine, but there is a system in Chinese medicine you have to treat. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, we don't treat organ in Chinese medicine, we treat the energy, we treat uh, the the system as as it is we don't treat a, a, a part.
0: I also asked for you why specifically women get this more easily than men, and that part of the answer was most revealing to me.
1: And women easy to get stressed more than men. Stress, anxiety, and depression. Stress, anxiety, and depression it affect also the five
0: Of course, Dr. Ibrahim had a few recommendations, like eating more iodine-containing foods, like seafood, and staying away from radiation and electronic equipment as much as possible. You know, just because it's called a laptop, it doesn't mean that this box of radiation has to actually sit on your lap, for example. But it seems that stress is the main factor to highlight here.
1: People here in Lebanon, much stress they have, not like in China, if you are stressed, they do, they do some Tai Chi or they go dance on the street. I never heard about China, they are taking anti-depressing <clears throat> anti-depression drugs. But in Lebanon, many people, they are taking this. Because of the stress, because of the, the situation maybe in, in Lebanon or around Lebanon, Syria or so on. So, much stress... Make also many kind of diseases. It makes disease.
0: What he's trying to explain is that the body operates as an interconnected system, so troubles of the spirit are bound to affect the functions of the body. If heaviness is what's felt in the body, then my question for you, Tyra, would be, what is weighing you down? Illness is only cured when the root of the problem is taken care of, because otherwise the germ of illness will sprout back somewhere else. So my question is, what is stressing you out? According to Dr. Ibrahim, stress is the most common reason why his patients come to see him, and also one of the biggest health hazards in Lebanon.
1: I told you, because of the situation of Lebanon, politics situation and many problems around us, uh, you know, we call it the the Spring Arab, Arab This is the problem. So, and it's affecting Lebanon. Lebanon is a small country. It's affecting the business, the economy and everything. So that's why the people, they get stressed. Not because of anything else. It's only because of this. You know, Lebanese people like to live their life. You know, that maybe it's, They love, they, 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 they like to go all night. They, they have... Night life, they, they, they don't care about what's happening at all. But uh, as you know, there is work, there is job. If you're not making this money, you cannot... having such kind of life. Having having nightlife, having happiness and so on. So this is what's affecting the people.
0: This made me think back to something my mother said. Mm. You, you said it right. Basically, she says that if a country is in war, it's impossible for its population to be healthy. So in a way, a country's ailments are its citizens' ailments. And our illnesses don't sit just within our bodies, but actually exist on the bridge between our bodies and the world. We often say to friends and loved ones, take care of yourself. But maybe it's time to expand our definition of what the self is. Just like how we can't take care of the thyroid without also taking care of our liver, our kidney and our digestive system, we have to take care of ourselves by taking care of what's around us. Funnily enough, this first question is actually very closely related to the second, though the second is even broader than the first. And the second is a question that concerns us all. Dear Dr Wang, How can I become immortal? Love, a scared life seeker. Dear life seeker, Thank you for this question, because Isn't death what we're all trying to avoid? Much of Chinese medicine has its roots in Taoism, which is one of the three big religions in China next to Buddhism and Confucianism, even though it's really more of a philosophy. Part of the main concerns of Taoists is to achieve longevity and immortality. The Chinese themselves have been long looking for the answer, and Chinese alchemists were often put to work by the emperor to find the elixir of life. Ironically, it was during this search that gunpowder was accidentally discovered, which would be the substance that would cut the path to longevity brutally, brutally short for many. Here's what Dr. Ibrahim has to say.
1: And, you know, in Chinese way, also in Chinese medicine, there is a point called in the Stomach 36. Stomach 36 it, It exists on the meridian, on the stomach meridian, the number is number 36 called Zusani, you know, the Zusani everybody
0: knows. Mm-hmm. He says that stimulating this pressure point will help increase longevity. But of course, it goes further than that. Also, because for the unbeknownst among us, it's actually quite tricky to find the exact location of this point, And pressing in the wrong one could have very unexpected consequences. For example, there's a pressure point behind the ears that will make you lose weight if you press it long enough. But then there's the other thing. If we were to establish that death is caused by illness or accumulated illness, it would mean that if we avoid illness, we can avoid death, right?
1: How can I explain? I can explain that the more you can stay away from the food, the more you can you're not sick, and the more you're not, you you can live long. Stay away of the food, that means that not eating much, don't eat at all animal products. You can keep, if you want, eat some seafood products, but no animal products, like no meat, no chicken, no, no dairy products, no caviar, no eggs, nothing at all. You can eat, as I said, little Seafood products are uh, sushi nori, the sushi nori. And these things better than to eat animal products. Vegetables, but it should be all organic, all natural stuff.
0: But to avoid death, it's not just bad foods that we have to avoid. There are other things that bring in negativity and illness. There are other things that are bad. But these things are a little harder to control.
1: You want to live long also, you better not to get stressed and stay away from the people. You can live long. Or better you stay with nice people and energetic people. They have good energy. They don't have anxiety. They don't have stress. They like to live life. These kind of people also, they give you good energy. But the other kind of people, anxiety, stress and depression, they give you bad energy. So you better stay away from them. You can live longer.
0: But it goes beyond even just people. It actually concerns everything that is around us.
1: There is stress everywhere. We have stress in work, we have stress in, in family, we have stress in teaching, we have stress. This is a stress of job. It's okay. But there is a, another kind of stress stress of, hey, look what's the situation around us, look what's happening about, look look at this, look at that, look at the nature, look at the pollution. Look, don't look. And even don't think about it. People, they look on the TV, they watch news. Don't watch news. Don't listen to the news.
0: Sometimes it seems as if Lebanese people indeed don't think about it too much. The beautiful coast of Beirut, the Corniche, is lined with beach clubs, glitty restaurants with views on the sea, apartment buildings that separate the Corniche into people who can afford to live there and people who can only afford to walk past. In the past 30 years, only less than a third of that time was spent without conflict or war. Many have told me that the more intense the conflict becomes, the more money hotels, beach resorts and nightclubs make. I have read that the heydays of entertainment venues was precisely during wartime, because that's when people wanted to live the most. At the same time, memory seems to refuse to leave the city. Marks of gun-shelling are still visible on many walls. Buildings damaged in the war have been left in disrepair as coincidental monuments to the city's history. But maybe it's not that coincidental. The former Holiday Inn, standing on the stretch of prime real estate behind the part of the corniche that houses the yard-filled Beirut marina, still stands there as a skeletal monument of the Battle of the Hotels, and has now become an accidental tourist attraction. This so-called hotel front that took place there was one of the first fronts of the war when it started in 75. Its 24 floors still stand there, open-faced like a skeleton, bullet-riddled and rocket-pierced, while guests and taxis go in and out of the Phoenicia, its direct neighbour and Beirut's fanciest hotel.
1: We are in this war, all of us. So let us live this life.
0: By the end of our conversation, Dr. Ibrahim had moved on from explaining the workings of our body to the logic behind the war. There's a lot that I had to cut out because I don't want to get him into trouble. But let's just say that he thought a lot about the war.
1: The war, it makes more war. It makes more stress. So I am a person that don't like war. I am a peaceful person like Buddhism, Taoism and so on. But these
0: people... With these people, he means the people who choose to fight, the people that lead and maintain the war.
1: These people, they, they like war,
0: so you cannot change them. Mm.
1: They like to live in war, and they want you to live in war with them. So they bring you stress, huh? they, they bring you stress. They don't have stress. Why? Because this is their life. <laughs> yeah. You understand? (laughs) Yeah. So these people, they bring you stress, but they live. This is their life, Mm. fighting, war, and so on. So they don't have any problem, like Mm. body problem, I mean like health problem. But the people, they are obliged, they force them to live like them. These people, they have stress.
0: Yeah. But there are different kinds of stress.
1: It's not about the war. People, they want to live. But if you force me to live in this war, yeah, I can't stress. I don't want to live in this war. I don't want war. Why do you want to fight? This is Lebanese people. Lebanese people never like to fight. They like like to live.
0: At the end, I guess the right question to ask, scared life seeker, is if we were to want to live on forever, In what conditions do we want to do that in? If I go back to what my mother has said about how our country's ailments are our ailments and vice versa, it makes me think that the question of living longer is indeed one that concerns all of us. Because we can only live longer if we somehow find a way to live longer together. That was our first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next time we'll be in Cyprus to look at the different ways through which people make themselves feel at home. I want to thank Christian Nyampeta for his generous love and support in making this possible, Lawrence Abu Hamdan for hosting us in Beirut, and of course Dr. Edmund Ibrahim who was so kind and generous with his time. The title song is by a special occasions band called Healing With Sound, consisting of Melina Nicolaidi, Yorgo Nathaniel, and myself. Bye listeners, take care of yourselves.